0: Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to the show. This is Recruiting Is No Joke, episode number six. I am super excited. I have a special guest here from a relatively unknown company. Just kidding. I got Brian Pink from <laughs> uh, from Twitter. Uh, so, Brian, man, I'm gonna turn it over to you. I know you got uh, some good stuff in store for us today, Joel.
1: Uh, you know, I don't. I don't. You know, I, I came on. I don't know what the level of expectation is. I feel like maybe I should sing a song because that's what I do with Ryan Leary. Shout out to Ryan Leary, who is not watching today because he is at HR Tech, where Joel and I both should be, but we're not. How we
0: do we not get I, invites to that? That's that's not cool. I don't know. You probably like got invited. Getting,
1: um. I, so maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like I gave the shout out to Ryan. I feel like I should sing a song because it's usually what we do when we're on the we're on the web um, or when we're doing the show. So uh, Joel, if ever I'm in your arms again, this time, I love you much better. All right, so um who am I besides the fact that I can't sing? My name is Brian Fink in less than two hundred and eighty characters. um I am a senior sourcing manager at the Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Brian Fink. You can also find me on LinkedIn, uh Brian Fink. Um I've been recruiting right for about
0: that's it's super creative. I, I love that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like I was like the is taken. Um it's a radio host in 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 Florida. Um so uh I've been at the recruiting game for about 15 years when I got started. Um I was actually recruiting sales professionals uh and marketing professionals. There was a downturn in the economy. And somebody was like, "What are you going to do next?" And I was like, uh, "I don't know. I started recruiting restaurant managers for Ruby Tuesdays, and wow. Ruby Tuesdays, Ruby Tuesdays really liked my uh, my throughput, and they came to me. Uh, Bethany uh, came to me and was like, "Hey, uh, I've got some of these SEO roles and search engine uh, marketing roles. I don't know anything about it." And I said, "Oh, I, I know. I know about that." Um, and I knew through that through osmosis because I have a good friend, Josh Bernstein, who is an SEM expert and Josh, uh, Josh kind of held my hand and guided me through that. And then, uh, they wanted me to handle technical roles and I parlayed the technical roles and the search engine marketing and search engine optimization roles into other relationships. Uh, you know, uh, really kind of held on to the technical piece of it. I did do a stint doing sales recruiting again for, For ZocDoc kind of getting things aligned and things moving there for them um, as they were ramping up both their uh, efforts to bring on uh, uh, sales leaders as well as individual contributors Um, but really what I've done is I've really focused uh, the past I'd say eight years eight to ten years on technical recruiting and that's what brought me to Twitter it's what gave me a great opportunity at AWS awesome gig at, at Apple And uh, allowed me to turn technical recruiting around at RentPath here in Atlanta or or Rent.com as they're known now. Um, Beyond that, if I had, this is now over 280 characters for those of you who are counting. Um, One of the things that I'm really passionate about, and I'm glad that Joel's passionate about it too, is sharing knowledge with the recruiting community. Um, I think that, I, I don't know anybody who said they went to school for recruiting. So we're constantly, if you're a good recruiter, you're constantly focused on two things curiosity and empathy. I don't know that I can teach empathy and I don't know that I can teach curiosity, but if you have those two traits, you can come with me, you can come with Joel, you can come with Batman, you can come with Ryan Leary, you can come with the whole crew and we will help you become the recruiter that you want to be. And and as I mentioned, Ryan Leary, I mentioned Batman. I should, uh, Hey, do you mind if I mention that HRTX has an event coming up on the 28th and 29th of September. It's a free event to attend. Two weeks. Um, two weeks. That's, two weeks that's what I got. Two weeks. That's what I got. Um, that's my bio. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
0: No, man, and I I love that you uh, you live this out as well. I know we, uh, I mean, we had a, we had a chat on Friday, and I mean, I, I feel like out of anybody I've had a conversation with in the last you know three to six months, out of people outside of people who you know I, I work with. Um, Man, you just, you brought so much value and like, you're just like texting me ideas about things, like about the things that we were, we were chatting about. Um, And, you know, I I think, you know, that makes it, that makes a recruiter as well, you know, like curiosity and empathy, but then also just like freely being able to give people advice, you know, whether you're dealing with a candidate, hiring manager, whoever it is, I think naturally recruiters, they, you know, we we like to have conversations with people and we like to add value. So I love that you, uh, that you live that out um I, I i'm curious too um you know i think what what might be helpful even just for people who who are out there that may be new in their recruiting obviously you know you're you're leading a sourcing team so i think there's, there's at least from my experience this there can be confusion around like sourcing full cycle you know technical sourcing like oh, there's a lot of these terms that get thrown around i think people have different meanings so I guess, you know, in, in your in your experience and with the team you're leading, like how do you guys look at sourcing and like, you know, maybe just like I guess elaborate on what sourcing truly is to you? Because I, I just I do really feel like that kind of term itself just gets thrown around a, a lot. Okay, so
1: um, what sourcing is to me is a lot different than I found what sourcing is to other people. Um you'd be surprised at like maybe once every two months, Shally and I, Shally Steckel, who is at HR Tech. Um, Shally and I get into like, we get into a conversation, it starts as a conversation and then it comes into a no, no, no. This is what sourcing <laughs> is, right? Um, so I'm gonna give you my definition and I'm gonna encourage you to invite Shally on your show to let him give his definition. Um, I think that they are, I think they're not diametrically opposed, but they have flourishes. So here's where I'm at, is that I think that a sourcer is responsible for finding passive talent, making sure that talent is interested, educated, and qualified for the role that you are looking for them for. I think that that conversation it can be a little different or a little nuanced. There's some sourcers that specialize in one area. Um, so like, for instance, you know, tech and maybe a subset within technology. Um, there's some sourcers that maybe specialize in accounting or a, special, a specialization around accounting. I think that what it also means is is that you have to bring a gift, that you have to come bearing a gift to the party that you're going to engage with. So if you're recruiting CPAs, you might want to come to them with a way to up, upskill their professional accreditations or get those credits. Um, if you're a recruiting technologists, I try to include blog posts from other technologists and say, look, this is what we're doing here. Based on what you've done, this might make sense for us to have a conversation. What do you think? Um, so I think it's those three things. And I think those three things actually go back to another uh, to, uh, to something that uh, Michael Whaley taught me on our first day of recruiting, um, is that you want to make sure your candidates are interested in the role. You don't want any flakes. Um, you want to make sure your hiring manager is interested in the candidate. You don't want any flakes. Um, you want to make sure that they're qualified and that means both the hiring manager and the candidate are qualified to make a decision about what they want to do next and what they've done and what they and, and really I want to stress this what they do next because I see Sarah's comment in the chat hey Sarah what's going on um
0: hey guys thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of recruiting is no joke I wanted to give a quick shout out to my sponsor bright hire The old way of hiring just doesn't cut it anymore, and my friends at BrightHire are here to help. BrightHire is the leading interview intelligence platform for improving quality of hire at talent-first companies. Their technology records and transcribes interviews and creates a set of highlights you can revisit and share to streamline the process, improve the candidate experience, and give teams better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. If you're looking to improve your quality of hire and reduce bias in your hiring process, visit brighthire.com today and let them know Joel sent you. Now back to the episode. Thanks again.
1: I think as sourcers, our goal is not just to find a widget and put them in a funnel. We need to find an individual and find out what they want to do next and call them and align them to that opportunity when that opportunity presents itself right? Recruiters and headhunters, I think that recruiters and headhunters are trying to make the inroads for that opportunity. I don't think that sorcerers necessarily get the carte blanche uh, or the flourish to be able to make that happen. Um, I know there's some people who think sorcerers are just people who generate lists. I will let you know that uh, my team (laughs) and teams that I've supported, um, my team and teams that I've supported, uh, we're not just making lists. We're delivering candidates to the mm-hmm. business that wanna have a conversation with the business. Um, I really compare it a lot to agency recruiting because in agency recruiting, you know, uh, you don't always get to influence the business in terms of uh, who they, I mean, you get to influence them in terms of who they see, but you don't get to maybe influence them on in, quote unquote, the hiring decision. Now, I will let you know that um, whether you're in an organization like AWS, which again, great organization, really enjoyed my time there, um, I can't speak uh, more highly about some of the people that I worked with, like Alan Henshaw and Sammy Ali, which the, one is at Coinbase, one is at Wayfair, if you want to check them out and see what they're doing with their teams. Awesome, awesome crew. Um, you know, depending upon your relationship with a hiring manager when you're internal, then you get to pull those levers and say, I'm going to be honest with you, we're not going to close this guy for 300000 Like, it's going to take three fifty. dollars um, This is what they've talked about. Uh, and I also think money is one thing that the sourcer finds out. Yeah, LinkedIn user, yes, exactly like agency recruiting. But here's the thing with here's the thing with agency recruiting is that agency recruiting, you got to wear a lot of different hats. And sometimes candidates aren't shopped properly in that in that environment. When I say shopped properly, you need to shop the opportunity to the candidate, not the candidate necessarily to the hiring manager, right? You need to make sure that that when you're working with a candidate that you are presenting them with four to five different opportunities and the reason that you want to provide them with four to five opportunities as an agency recruiter is that you want to you want to control their time and you want to control their decision-making process um for for what it's worth i spent half my time in agency i've spent half my time in corporate um, so, if you've got a if if anybody has a question like Sarah and Sarah, I'm going to get your question. I I, I want to answer that. That's a great um, question.
0: It's a it's a great question and a great a great topic as well. So yeah, we can we can definitely get to that.
1: All right. So Sarah's asking, uh, how crucial is the CV for hiring purposes? I think it is. Uh, I think the CV is outdated and outmoded. I will put in front of a hiring manager a GitHub profile or a Stack Overflow profile. So that uh so that they can see what the person has done uh, and uh, what they've accomplished and what code bases they've been a part of um, I think that if you're working with a if you're working with a if you're working to find a graphic designer don't put a resume in front of the hiring manager put their their behance portfolio in front of them if you're looking for a salesperson don't put a resume in front of them put the numbers that that person gave you and how they achieved those numbers in front of them resume resume is great for getting a conversation started so is a message like the one Joel sent me He was like hey dude what's going on actually i think that the, i think the first message was like hey are you feeling okay because like so one of us put something on 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 that we that we weren't like in the right headspace or some shit like that um and uh and just kind of checking in but but to that you know take the conversation with the candidate you know you can you can do a tremendous amount of research outside of the cv today uh like one of my favorite research sites right now is a website called polywork where you can find uh hint hint there are less than 100 recruiters on polywork so if you're a recruiter and you want to go where nobody's (laughs) at you might want to check out polywork um uh you know you you can find out what this person is thinking you can also find out how would this person resonate with the hiring manager right like you can find out all these things and then just have a 10 or 15 minute conversation and lead with I know where you've been I know what you've done what do you want to do next and see if you can connect what they've done to what they want to do next and if you do run the ball down the field score the touchdown
0: well i'm I'm curious too Sarah and and if you're still there curious like what some of the negativity or like kind of some of the negativity on the post was or I mean you mentioned like the heated conversation I'd be interested to know like what got so heated I mean I know i mean i go I go back and forth with this one because it's it's like it's a tough one it's like you said like resume is a great conversation starter in terms of you know if you show up to an interview and you don't have anything okay but it's like whether you have a resume or a LinkedIn profile, it's having something that represents what you've actually done, I think is what it comes down to. I think obviously there's a lot of old school hiring techniques and like just hiring mindsets, I think within HR and recruiting where, you know, maybe a hiring manager demands a a resume, but to your point, if you're an internal recruiter and you have that influence and you have that respect, you know presenting different ways of of showing what a candidate's done is always, is always it's really that that's the point of it i think you know i i mean, the like agency recruiter it's really hard for us to submit a candidate over without a resume like it usually is oh. let's see your linkedin profile and your resume um but you know i it's, could i see in like 10 15 years resumes looking completely different to the, to how they do now for sure. Like it's going to be more social proof. It's going to be more like what, like you said, what have you actually done? Um, I know a while back there was a, someone I know who, you know, doing something with sales recruiting, for example, they had, they basically created this like sales scorecard, which they work with for, for their clients. And it's just this universal scorecard that shows like the quota, you know, what they've accomplished. And, um, you know, I think, I think things like that are are really helpful. And, and, uh, you know, but is it? Are there going to be people in the future that still say, "Hey, I want to see some sort of resume"? I'm sure, sure it will be too. Well, but I'm just curious why Joel, people get really heated about it.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna push on this for a second, right? You know, if we go to LinkedIn, which is the arbiter of truth, right? If we go to LinkedIn and we type in the word "presidents club," actually, can I show this real quick? Can I screen share?
0: Yeah, should is it, do that. The share option on yours. Share screen, your screen. okay. Don't
1: don't show the tips again. Okay, cool. Um, here we go. Share. All right. Cool. So real quick, if I go to LinkedIn.com, you, and everybody can see this, right?
0: Yeah. Just give me a give me a yes if you can see this in uh, in the audience here. Probably just take right. a, a delay. I can see it, so that's all that matters.
1: All right. So so real quick, here's the thing: is if I go in and I type in Presidents Club yeah.
0: inside
1: of LinkedIn Recruiter. I mean instead of free linkedin there is groups for president's club and their post right so if we go into posts, we can see all the people who just got president's club and the advice they're talking about to get people into president's club the graphics that are associated with president's club there's even a hashtag for it let's go to lisa tosh for just a second right I bet you that Lisa Tosh doesn't, or or Trosh, I'm sorry, Lisa, I didn't mean to mispronounce your name. She doesn't have the word president's club anywhere on her LinkedIn profile. She didn't Hmm. include it there, right? But she wanted, would you rather me show up to a hiring manager and say, well, I got Lisa and I got her resume, or would you rather me show up to a hiring manager and say, uh, by the way, I have. Uh, let's just search, search this hashtag and see how many people came up for it. There, are, we got all these people that came up for. Woo, woo, woo. Okay, that's cool. Um, <laughs> we got, we got. I was like, I was like, oh no. Uh, we got all these people that came up for it um, that don't have it on their LinkedIn profile. Would you rather me give you a list of 25 people that are Presidents Club winners, or would you rather me give you 25 resumes that don't mention a damn sales accomplishment?
0: Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think, I mean, I think, I think what, what you, I mean, I think even um, I'm trying to get Sarah's point here as well. Cause I think, I think what, you know, she just kind of elaborates there and, and, you know, really the point, she said that really the point is you simply can't afford to be uh, unconscious anymore. There's no excuse when it comes to inclusion in 2022, it's time for us to open up our eyes, which, I totally get, and I, I just, I just think it's a really interesting topic that people get really heated and defend something like a resume. When, I mean, the point of it is, it's like it's including, it's including like actually who the person is, not just like a piece of paper. Because I mean, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm kind of going off. No, but, uh,
1: no, no, dude, let's go off because you actually brought up, you know, you went off on something, and Sarah brought it up. Uh, and if anybody else has any comments, we don't want the conversation to be dominated just by Joel and I, like we want you guys to be part of this. One of the things that, that I think that we have to do is I think that we have to all realize that we've got biases and that we have to figure out a way to, to overcome those biases. Um, there's a book that I am finishing right now called The Person You Mean to Be, How Good mm-hmm. People Fight Bias. Um, it's by Dolly uh, Chuk. Um, Chuk is C-H-U-G-H. And you know what I would say is there are a lot of people on, that are watching who believe in equality, diversity, and inclusion. The question that the book asks, and the question that I ask when we're saying we've got to have a resume or you had to have gone to a school, is that how do we stand up for our values? Right? You know, we we have to be smart about these things. We have to be we have to be bold. Right? We have to be risk takers and we have to we have to fight for what we believe in so if we find that candidate who is a great infosec um person they've given talks you've got their uh you've got the talks that they've given on youtube but this person doesn't have a college degree let's let's get beyond the resume let's get beyond that piece of paper that's the diploma and let's have a surprising conversation about whether or not this person can do What we need done today, and build
0: what we need built tomorrow. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, how much? You know, if you if you were to kind of give advice to you know, let's say somebody who's new in recruiting, particularly like on the on the internal side, that maybe a couple of years in, maybe a little bit more than that, but you're you're kind of struggling with hiring managers on on things like this, and particularly like you know something like the college degree or school pedigree is a huge one right because that's it's 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 one that we hear a lot Why? I want somebody from you know these schools because you know we hired these 10 people from that school too and they, they worked out really really well but how how do you you know what advice do you give to like actually influence hiring managers to open their minds up and and just to start to think differently when it comes to to hiring and, and obviously recruiting diverse talent.
1: Yeah, so um, I think that I think that you can have a conversation around the fact that diversity actually breeds more creativity. You can either show that hiring manager the empirical quantitative analysis. You can show them the qualitative analysis. You can also show them the paths of companies that have stalled or failed. For instance, um, you know, Joel, I don't know how I want to how I want to address this, but there was a company. Uh, a number of years ago, based in Atlanta, that only recruited candidates from the West Coast from Stanford. That social media company doesn't exist anymore, okay? Um, It it bottomed out, and they were literally recruiting white males from Stanford, right? I think Stanford's a great school. Um, I've got some white guys who are actually my friends. I don't mean to make disparaging comments about either of them, but what I want to point out is that lack of diversity, that lack of thought, that lack of life experience didn't amount to shit when they were building a social media app, right? So what you've got to do is you've got to go and you've got to show that hiring manager um, potential is very difficult to, to execute on, right? Um, you've got to show that hiring manager that this person does have the aptitude to do what they say they can do and how they've done it. There are different, you know. I'm, I, I go back and forth whether I'm a big fan of testing or not. Right? Uh, if you have an enterprise code test license, what is having one person take a test going to cost? If you've already paid for all the others, right? Um, you can you can have that. Um, I would disagree. I would, but on the flip side, I would say if we give a take-home project to somebody and somebody, you know, turns turns in something that we've got to grade and that we've got to pull engineers off of, that is not that's not ideal. That is not the the right scenario. And then, like, you know, I think of uh, Nin Tran who is building a bias-free testing engine, uh, Snapbrilla. Um, Shout out to Nin. Nin, love you. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, it just, I I think that showing potential, you've got to show them the evidence, you've got to show them the companies that they want to be like. You have to show them those hiring patterns. Um, You have to help them overcome that systemic racism. uh, That um, if you've done the work and have, if if you did the work, have the work done or the potential to work chosen your resume, still I talk to you Amy that that's great and that goes back to the resume but you know if you've given a if you've given a talk somewhere and you've shown people how that you do something or build something like for instance, Joel, we're having a great conversation right now. I think that um, barring you know uh, you know I think I could use this video as a as as a resume in lieu of a resume with a hiring manager right like, I showed you that I know how to source, I showed you some neat things on LinkedIn, I talked about implicit bias. Maybe these are all check boxes for you. And maybe I show you the potential that I can teach and be a force multiplier on your team, right? So I, I really think that there, there are hundreds of different venues that you can go through to uh to cultivate that relationship and to cultivate uh the conversation with the hiring
0: manager. I've got a sorry. There's a lot of comments coming in, and so i was just trying to keep track of it. But Sarah just said, "I have one more question, Joel and Brian. Can we please do this together, three of us? My last LinkedIn live with Hungley had 1,600 attendees. Yeah, like we we'll 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 try and organize something because I think that would be uh would be a, a lot of fun. And whether it's through my profile, Brian's, whoever, I'm I'm down for something like that. uh yeah, so we'll, um, whatever we can make, we'll figure happen. it out. Um, um, yeah, I I, I think it's, it's 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 super interesting to me that um, I think with like you know, when I think about all of the advances we've had in technology, I mean, and, you know, in recruiting, I mean, I feel like there's a new piece of like recruiting tech every single day that I hear about, that's going to like revolutionize and change everything. Um, It is really interesting that like the resume is, it's, it's just stayed the same and same with, I mean, I guess the same with like job descriptions on the other side. It's like, we hear about it all the time where it's like, Oh, you know, job descriptions. You change it up, make it exciting. But it's like still, every job description looks as the exact same. It's 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 almost. It's, I mean, it's just kind of a joke in in some ways. Um, but it's just really interesting that we had that we haven't changed that. And I think that that you know, from like a recruitment standpoint, from an HR standpoint, it speaks a lot about kind of like the industry you know these industries where they just there's a lot of these archaic mindsets you know and somebody pointed there about like job gaps and that type of stuff like and jumping around i mean you know i think some you know some of our recruiters have said that hiring managers have kind of gone back to you know even you know they've kind of gotten past this point of of understanding covid and now it's back to like oh we don't want someone who's like a job hopper (laughs) it's just like we just keep tripping over this old stuff over and over
1: yeah, well, you know, first off, uh, there, there are two things that I want to address here is about the job hopper issue um, the the job hopper issue is also an opportunity. You can say that you've seen a lot of different organizations, you know how they run, you know how they perform, and you know what it takes to accelerate your learning curve in the first 90 days. So getting you on board is going to be easier than getting somebody who has been stuck at one organization. And I won't use that word stuck. My friend Batman would say stuck as well. Right. If you've been in a company for 10 plus years, you might be stuck. Right. Can you can the dog learn new tricks? Right. So there's that point of it. And um, the other thing that I want to come to is I think that uh, Sankit Kumar, I mean, Sankit Kumar, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, if I am, can you give me a thumbs up? Uh, if I'm not, I will try again. Um, I, would, um, I would say that things are much better before ATS software came along. Now all that matters is how well one's resume matches with the job description and past experiences. I am not going to make a disparaging comment about one piece of software that has completely turned the market upside down. Okay. Everybody's head is exploding about the ATS robot. Okay. Or the or and and Amy Miller, who Joel <laughs> will probably have say. Amy on at some point. You know, Amy is a staunch advocate, as a I am, as am I, that every resume gets read, reviewed by a human being, right? Because we have a far better lexicon than a lot of the machine learning that's out there. But there is one software application that does. What Sanky Kumar proposes, they have less than half a percentage market share. Hmm. There is no ATS robot. I, I am here to tell you that I agree with you. There is no ATS robot, Amy. There is one software that is out there that effectively runs and does the calibration for uh, for for what for. But but it only works for one area. So you are looking at half a percentage that only works for a very small demographic. And as long as I'm not flipping hamburgers, and McDonald's, it's not making that decision in my indication. I will let you know McDonald's is a client of theirs, but I don't want to make a disparaging comment about the software.
0: Yeah. And I mean, just to, to be clear, too, with the with the ATS, I mean, you know, it's, it's really an organizational tool more than anything, and like it allows us to search things and like, yeah, you can put parameters on it, but it's, it's like any piece of technology. It's controlled by a human on the other side. So it's um, I, I think the, the challenge is like if we didn't have an ATS, I, I don't really it, with the mass amount of data and resumes and applications that are out there. I don't know if there's another way to like, how else would you manage it? Would just go into like a spreadsheet <laughs> or something or like, it, it would, it would go
1: into a database that would be done by another name.
0: Um, yeah. I think the hard, the hard truth hey, of it is that I found in, in recruiting was I think there's a lot of things that are unsaid and, and that you, you know, like I picked this up early on in recruiting. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like terminologies that hiring managers will use that kind of rule people out. Wasn't a, a cultural of, fit yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of like indirect things that are said that have double meaning and it's it's a lot of times like you have to really get to the root of of what's going on and why somebody's thinking that way and i think we're seeing a lot more change hopefully we're seeing a lot more change um because of things like social media and because i think there's more pressure now uh and you know and it's harder to hide like if you're if you or hiring manager or you're a company and you're not doing things the right way you you will get found out i mean it's just you know which i know like james hornick on our team he posted about you know kind of like gen z how you know again talking about something like quiet quitting if we didn't have a, an application oh, he's like on TikTok, all the yeah and it's like if you don't and if you do, but you don't have like TikTok that allows things to go viral without you know you don't have to have, even have an audience like you can just put out a piece of content and it can go viral we didn't have that 10, 15 years ago where like you could make a complaint and like suddenly you're out there in the same way. So it's kind of given to me, it's shifted power to like a unique place where I know like when I first entered the workforce, all the power was at the top. Um, and a hundred percent of the influence and the power was was at the top. And in a lot of ways that's still true, I guess, in with you know, with wealth and things like that. But there's like this new emerging voice which which you know, younger workers have with which people who are you know maybe lower in in the, the totem pole for lack of a better word there's just more of a voice out there and um yeah it makes interest but i'd, I'd love to get your take. i know we were chatting about that the other day i'd love to kind of get your take on quiet quitting and what what you think's going on there and and you know what you're kind of seeing i guess with you know twitter and and the circles you're in
1: well <laughs> the circles that i'm in uh You know, look, you know, when I go to, what's really funny is like when I get together with groups of friends, they all want to know, like, like you just said, like, what's going on? Yeah, like, what's in? (laughs) Yeah, what's going on, right? Um, What I can say, uh, or what I'm going to say is, is not representative of Twitter. It's of the population as a whole, is that quiet quitting did span from a 17 second TikTok clip, Right. It has far-reaching implications, though, that people are not their job. They're multidimensional. Joel, we were talking previously about COVID and people coming back from having long COVID or people who are coming back from being a caretaker, right? You know, this is um, this is an opportunity for people. I, I, I see the comment from the LinkedIn user that cultural fit is such a microaggression. I totally, totally 100% agree with you on that.
0: And the, the only uh, the, reason is uh, LinkedIn user, as well as uh, I think, like through Streamyard, which is what we're broadcasting through. Um, if you have your privacy set, privacy settings set a certain way, we just can't see your name. So I, we would be able to see it, like actually on LinkedIn, but we're just looking at the comments. So just, just so. Uh, they, so, so know. about qu-
1: about quite quitting and everything I've read and the Gallup polls that have been that have been taken. There are a lot of people who have worked really, really hard to maintain their life and keep everybody safe from COVID or to be that caretaker from COVID or took their time off from COVID or didn't take their time off from COVID and they're burned out, right? Like there was an article in The Atlantic uh, yesterday that was talking about how self-care does not reduce burnout. Mm -hmm. Haven't we been told that self-care, that like going and getting a massage makes me feel better, makes me a more, Productive person, or going to my psychiatrist and having a conversation about the way that I feel and the anxiety that I face, aren't these forms of self-care? But they don't do anything to reduce burnout. So, do we have people who are in jobs that they don't find meaningful, that they don't find fulfillment in? Yeah, I think we do. And do I think but it's do, a to, to me is that do you,
0: do you think that that's more? like less to do with just work and then just more to do with like even something past work. I mean that that seems like you know if, if we're looking to get fulfillment out of work, which I think you can get, you know, you can get to that point, but it just seems like I don't know, seems like it's kind of like a bigger issue than just even work, you know, it's like
1: how many how many companies say bring your authentic self to work? Let's <laughs> let's do a let's do a Google search for that real quick. No, <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to do a Google search, but they say, bring your authentic self to work. Isn't that a contradiction to meaningful work? If they're telling you, I, I don't care about your grandmother who got sick and that you had to take five days off or what have you, or that you sit in your cube and you're kind of wondering, what the hell am I doing here? You know, um, I don't think that mankind was put on this planet to perfect the spreadsheet. I, I don't want to... I don't want to take uh, I don't want to take anything away from, from people at Microsoft. I love my Excel spreadsheets. Actually, I love Excel spreadsheets, but I really love Google Sheets. So that's yeah. that's another thing. I'm 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 buy sheets, I don't know. <laughs> um, but the but the but you know these are these are things that we've gotta that we really you know we're telling one generation bring your authentic self to work, bring your whole self to work, but then when these when they yeah it doesn't it doesn't mesh up there's there's something that's missing there
0: man i i think that that i mean it's something that i struggle with a lot just like even when it comes to like talking about culture and things like that because it's very easy for people to get on like these bandwagons with you know what's trendy or like what they think people want to hear but you know i mean even with like caring about people or or being kind I, i just i don't know I feel like it's easy to just say it's easy to say a lot of things, but everything plays out differently, and and uh, particularly particularly now. But I mean, we're getting a lot of comments in here as well. And, and uh, so, so wait there. a minute, man.
1: I'd go back to that. I'd go back to the book that I tried to that I tried to pimp for somebody I don't even know. Is I made the comment and I struggled with it. I said, you know, we've got to be bold, right? Like we've mm. got to fight for these values that we think are that we think are important. Um, uh, there, there are, uh, okay. So there are lots of comments that are coming in. Lindsay, um, not feeling anxiety, have it all piled up. Can't relax with my family. I can't tell if you're being facetious or facerious. Um, just, uh, you know, I, I'm the person who I can't do my job. If my desk is a mess, right? Like I've got to get rid of all that clutter and that doesn't just mean pushing it aside. It means putting things in their right space. Um, I think, uh, I think it's pretty well documented in the recruiting world. And if it isn't and you haven't heard it before, I do suffer from severe anxiety. I typically, um, I had a a whole year where I really struggled just to leave the house uh, because I was afraid of the world being out of order. So I I take that, I I do take your comment, what you said, I do take it seriously. Uh, I've been there. I've fought that struggle. And I think that your workplace, like I had with Stephanie uh, Haig, is that she understood the struggle that I had to go through and she said, I'm willing to absorb that struggle for Brian. I'm willing to be that manager and go for his defense because he's great at turning out and finding the right people to build our React engineering team. To that, I want to I want to book in that to Juan Andres uh, Ponte's point or question: what advice do you give to recruiting managers that need to manage KPIs and recruiter activities? But have a hard time balancing work balance and an effective recruiting process. You know, I will, I'm gonna open up the kimono here for a second. Um, I hope I don't scare anybody. I have a hairy chest. Um, you know, uh, there, are K, there are KPIs that I hold my team to, but I give them the independence uh, to find their way to reach those KPIs, right? So if that means that um, Also, I think it's publicized at Twitter that we have a uh, remote policy, and we also have an unlimited vacation policy or an unlimited PTO policy. Um, Is that if you're going to take off, do the work that you need to do so that we don't feel the exige shocks when you when you exit for a few days, right? Um, I have one of my sourcers who uh, I'm just gonna I'm not going to mention her name, but. You know, she went on vacation for a week, and while she was gone, she was gone. And she set up the dominoes to fall that she would place two people while she was gone. And the team understood that plan and understood what they needed to do because they had hit those KPIs, what was coming down the funnel, right? So what I say is that there there has to be, uh, one, there's gotta be a balance and there's got to be a maturity there, and I realized that when we're talking about that Amy and uh, that Amy and uh, Amy and Sarah are both talking a little bit about Gen Z and Gen Xers, um, you know, there are multiple generations in the workplace, and this is in a workplace where we've got to take consideration about the way the organization needs to work, right, and where you have buy-in on certain components of that. Um, you know, this is an instance where realistically, you know, 100%, you know, unlimited PTO, that that comes with some problems. Sometimes you have more than one member of your team out, right? Um, it is really, you know, I'm really looking for people who are results oriented, who when I say, and, and, and I'll let you in on a KPI, I do want 10 submits to the business each week. If you hit 10, Great. If you hit 12, even better. If you hit 15, whatever. Are you going to lose your job if you hit eight? No. How many of them made it to, to hiring manager phone screens? How many of them made it to TPS? KPIs are not meant to be one-dimensional. And if you're working with one-dimensional KPIs, you got a problem and you've got an environment where they're going to constantly moving the goalpost to set you up for failure.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I mean, obviously, an agency, there are a lot of agencies that run on some... Uh pretty ancient KPIs as well. So, uh, you know, I think you got you to gotta look at like, well, I, for me, KPIs is always looking at like, why is that a KPI? And like, why, you know, what what is this actually indicating? And I'm a lot more about like results and like looking, working backwards, like, okay, these are the results I need. What do I need, need to do that, to get there? But I think if you can't have that conversation too with your manager or whoever is person enforcing those KPIs, and that's a huge issue as well. But I know, again, with like a lot of agencies, uh, you know, they're working on KPIs that that made sense 30, 40 years ago. And and they, they, you know, realistically, if you're in that environment, I'd say get out of there.
1: So, so, you know, Amy's comment about, you know, get out of agency recruiting because the KPIs, you know, one of the, one of the things that I, there, there are two questions that I ask agency recruiters. Are you on track to make partner your organization? And if they say yes, then I'm like, okay, there's no second question. Great. Fantastic. If you're not on track to make partner and have equity in the organization, why haven't you gone off and started your own thing? Sometimes those KPIs provide structures for people who don't have the right structure in place, that they need that, that they need that goal attainment. Uh, They may want to run the race against other people as opposed to having an infinite game mindset and playing the game against themselves
0: yeah yeah no i mean look i I, i'm on the agency side i know um the kpis that we had were you know i don't know was it five to ten submittals a week but it, it was it was the way you know i've been in other environments where it was like a lot more granular than that and it was like you know 30 to 50 cold calls and then phone time and then send outs and i think you know, if for me, like I'd, I never really had a problem with the KPIs. It was just understanding, like, what are you using this for? Are you using this to make me better and like coach me to where I'm at, or or is this just like kind of like a micromanage, kind of power thing that somebody's holding over me because uh, it's worked in the, in the past? But uh, you know, I, I would say this: there's a lot of agencies out there which I think more more now than ever that are adjusting to this and are kind of getting like hey, there's different ways to sell, there's different ways to build relationships. Obviously, you know, something like cold calling, for example, it still works. Obviously, people do it. But so does social selling. So does, you know, connecting with someone on a DM. So does putting a good social post out there. And so it's like you kind of got to look at the whole picture and evaluate because we are working with different generations. Generationally speaking, you know, maybe people respond differently. Because there's different types of people in a work place, you just got to understand that different types of people respond to different things, and it's it's really hard to even like understand and like know because I think each individual just operates differently. Like I love I love it I love getting text and communicating through text. I have friends that love to talk on the phone. I got people that only respond to DMs. You know, it's like just people build relationships in different ways, and. And so I think if you're just caught with one way or like this is the only way you can do it, um, you just miss out. And you you know you you want if you want diversity, you you've got to also then open up your the ways that you reach out to people. You can't just go for people on LinkedIn all the time and assume that you're getting a full picture of everybody who's out there. Um, So it's you know you gotta gotta switch things up.
1: Well, so so about switching things up, um, actually, I want to I want to comment on. I want to comment on Amy's question. I mean, comment about agency Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I don't think that, I don't think every agency works like that, right? I have worked at agencies where it's like, I mean, the first agency I was at was make a placement, keep your job. I remember my sales manager jumping on a desk and acting like an <laughs> asshole, and, right? Um, and and that's fun, right? I mean, hey, you know, that, that, that was it. That was his thing, right? Um, he thought that he could lead through intimidation. There's one thing that I love from that movie, Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross, and it's ABC always be closing, but I think that we bastardized it because we're focused on the close and not the action, which is B. Be present in your conversations with candidates be present in your conversations with hiring managers. You have people like Lou Adler, who I gotta tell you, I don't, you know, we talk about old school. I don't think Lou knows the first thing about what needs to be done in modern recruiting. I've, I've felt that way since he wrote an article on ERE, um, talking about how sourcing is dead. Um, um the, but there's something that he says that I re- that resonates with me and it's being a talent partner, not being a harvester of talent, right. Mm. Being that vessel, which communicates opportunity. So let's focus instead of on closing, let's focus on cultivating. And that's why I tell my team, always be cultivating, always send out your LinkedIn messages and invite people to see the content that you're putting together, what voice you're having in the community, that you're being an ally, that you're coming from a place of privilege and you're lending that privilege, you're helping exonerate individuals and lift them uh from from the from the depths of i don't have a i only have a high school diploma i went to a code school um i, I think that there's some pretty powerful things that we can do if we're always cultivating and like i said yeah. be you know um
0: i love yeah. that I mean, um it's, a, it's the first time of uh Usually, people are just focusing on the sea when it comes to the, to to that. So it's uh, I, I love well, that. Well, we're
1: Americans. We're Americans. We always want to rush to dessert, right? Like you know, you think about it. Is that we want to you know, we we come to a restaurant and and it's a steakhouse. We immediately want to go through the appetizer, through the salad, and get to the steak immediately. Or, or, or like Americans and sex, we want to skip the relationship and go straight to the straight to the money, right? I mean, like this is. You know, yeah, I mean we. I mean we. We
0: definitely. We definitely live in a, a, you know, society that really focuses on like just quick results, like quick satisfaction. We we want results really, you know, really, really quickly. And uh, it's interesting too. Like I, you know, I think an issue which keeps coming up is this whole candidate experience. You know, which I'm sure we could just talk for like hours on on that. But it's really interesting to me that that it's such a big focus. Cause I just think like at the end of the day, one of the things you got to remember, if you got t- 10,000 people applying to a job, maybe, it's, you know, let's say 2000 people, only one person's getting the job. And to be honest with you, like, I don't know how important candidate experience is outside of like, no one's happy unless they get the job. So it's almost like I, I cause I know like people have made comments about like, Oh, we got to really focus on the candidate experience. And it's like, Look, getting rejected from a job, it's just, it sucks. And like, I don't know if there's a nice way to go about that. Like there's obviously things that we could do better. Like obviously ghosting people who have been through processes like that's, that should be basic. That's to me that if that's not happening, that's just bad process and like, you know, just bad recruiting. Uh, but there's this huge focus on it. And I just think at the end of the day, I've never, whenever I give like any kind of feedback or have given feedback, no one's ever excited to get the, the the positive you know sorry the the feedback that they didn't get the job because it's just you know it's like you applied you wanted the job so it's it's like one of those things where I'm like what what do people want outside of just getting the news that they got the job you know and and again like ghosting and this like not being responsive those those are those are negative things and should be fixed but I'm just like well You know what are your thoughts on that i'm just just curious i know we're running out of time as well so
1: um. dude we we you know uh where where are we on time um okay cool i was like all right i'm having a good time i don't know what's going on um all right so (laughs) where where's my thoughts on candidate experience is you know one of the things that i thought was great at amazon and at aws is that they sent randomly candidates whose resumes had been uploaded to, I know we go back to the resume thing, but their resume had been uploaded to the ATS and that they had had a conversation with a recruiter or they had gone through the process and they sent them a form asking, hey, would you mind giving us some feedback? Now we Hmm. know Amazon loves feedback, right? I mean, like you buy something and they want feedback, right? So when you think about it, what, what was happening is candidates who had the opportunity To say i didn't get the job this is how it made me feel and and this is what i think of you right three powerful things this is how me how it made me feel you know they didn't get feedback they didn't they weren't told hey this is this is why we went through this it's about how you make them feel did you make them feel like they were valuable did you make them feel like they were the only one Mm -hmm. in the process um there's a, there's a friend of mine. Uh, he was a candidate before. His name is Gerald Stover. Uh, Gerald is the director of recruiting at Vendor uh Enterprises, uh, North America. And Gerald said he wasn't sure about taking the role that I pitched him for, that I pitched in front of him, uh, because he had just taken a similar role. Uh, this was years ago. This is like eight years ago. He had just taken a similar role. He had been in it for four months, but he said that I made him feel like i was the he was the only candidate that i was working with and i think if you can do that and you can manifest and create that great feeling up front with the candidate and carry it through and this is where i miss being an agency recruiter okay let me say this out loud i miss being an agency recruiting because if i have a candidate like a Stu morris who was one of my first seo placements and i will never forget Stu, um he was a bodybuilder and decided he was going to get into computers it's great anyhow but the the fact is is if you make that connection i can call Stu anytime and say i got a job for you i got an opportunity right i've got something that you need to take a look at because i understand how he operates so i don't always have that opportunity as an in-house recruiter right i have to fall with that candidate maybe a year later and say i know things didn't work out and unfortunately I can't tell you why they didn't work out, but what I can tell you is we've got a tremendous opportunity that I wanna put in front of you today that I think is one that will answer what you told me previously. Can you let me know where you are in your career and what you wanna do next? If you can do that, then you can save that relationship. But uh, yeah, I think that, I think Gartner surveys, I think uh, talent surveys, I think that's a missed market. I like, if somebody, Joel, if you want to get off this call and you want to start our own ad tech company and we send surveys (laughs) to candidates to make sure they're engaged and they're happy with the process or get elicit blind feedback, you let me know. I'd I'd love to do. I just I just honestly Um,
0: wonder how many companies would truly like truly would value even something like that because I think that's what it comes down to. Because I was looking at like because someone I was talking to someone else about potentially doing something like that and it, it just like we both just came to the conclusion that you know, for a lot of companies, it's like, they just, it's like anything in, in business. It, like it just, it gets the scale of what people think is just always short-term. It's always like, you know, next week, next month, people don't think about, you know, Hey, this, this, this candidate that we like, you know, that we didn't give the job to, they could be a great candidate in five or 10 years. So let's treat them, you know, like, you know, potentially they, they could be, could be great. Or Let's just treat them like a human. It's like, they just, you don't think like that. And then the bigger the organization goes, it's like, who does that rest on? You know, like, who, so, so ultimately who gets that responsibility, you know?
1: So Joel, real quick, I'm going to tell you that candidate experience is not going to be a priority as long as we look at recruiting as a cost center and not a revenue generator. That's God, going to be the first one. So Sorry, I did not mean to point my finger. Here, here's the thing is if you look at an if you look at an organization if you look at an organization and and uh, I'll use uh, Chick-fil-A just just for a second, right? Chick-fil-A has an interesting reputation for saying my pleasure, but they've also got a lot of bigotry associated with the brand. How do you overcome that, right? Like how do you how do you say, I want to work there or I want to eat there, right? It's because they're constantly testing and looking at every part of their business as to how they attract and not alienate individuals. Right. Mm. But they also say they got to comport with their core values. I I just, you know, and uh, I realize some people are like, Brian, why are you attacking Um, Chick-fil-A? I know it tastes great, but you know, the reality of it is is that they're an organization that, I can't always support because of how they treat LGBTQ uh, customers and employees. Just, just that simple. I like my pleasure, but it's not where I'm going to get my unsweet iced tea. Um, What, but, but when, but back to the cost center comment that I made is that um, commodity, Amy, I agree with you that they treat them like commodities. Look at a study that was done between LinkedIn, and Virgin Mobile from, a, from like eight or 10 years ago, right? And what they found is is that Virgin Mobile, uh, a leading provider uh, of, of, of services in the UK, uh, I mean of uh, telephony services in the UK, is that they found that their candidate experience was causing a drag on the people who were enrolling in Virgin Mobile and Boost Mobile I want to say, causing a drag that they were losing billions of dollars uh, in terms of people who uh, who were not who were not continuing their service because they had had a lousy candidate experience, either at the highest levels or at the store how, level.
0: I'm curious how, how how did they how did they come to that? Like, I mean, how did they figure that out? So,
1: so here's the deal: Charney and I, uh, Matt Charney and I, argue about the validity of this study. Go in and type in Virgin Mobile LinkedIn and see what comes up, and take a minute and read the article yourself.
0: Yeah, well, um, and,
1: and kind of, and kind of, kind of take a challenge at that. Um, yeah, no, so, I mean, uh, you, I mean,
0: you're, I mean, but just not even in that. In in obviously that example, you're looking at candidates becoming customers, but I mean, the reality is, is there's two things in my mind that are, f- are foundational for businesses, and number one, it's probably sales. Like you're just not going to be able to operate without business coming in so like sales and being able to sell something is huge but then close second or you know potentially first depending on on how you view it it is it's recruiting and hiring and like who you bring into your organization like there's never been an organization that succeeded and done well and has made just terrible hires of the wrong people like who you bring oh, into your oh organization wait 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 wait,
1: it, wait, you know? wait 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 time out joel There's a okay. so real quick, I've mentioned one book. I'm going to mention another book. Um,
0: You better get affiliate links as well so we can. uh, I don't have affiliate
1: links. This is your show. (laughs) There's a there's a book that's called The Man Who Broke Capitalism. It's about how Jack Welch created this archetype of the American industrial complex that lets go of people to um, to raise their profitability. It's a really long book. It is fantastic. Um, Sarah, recruit with passion and empathy. I agree with that, but I gotta add curiosity because you gotta ask questions of your hiring manager. You gotta ask questions about what the person's going to do. You have to be curious about what's gonna happen next. Um, candidate experience starts in the beginning. I totally agree with that. I think, dude, I would I'd love to say I've got a candidate that I gotta yeah, jump yeah. on the on the on the horn with. Um
0: Well, everybody. Look, if you uh you, I mean you can you can uh hop right off if if you need to. I appreciate you being here. And uh we'll we'll close out here and I'll put your links in the comments. But Brian, love it. I'm glad we ran out of time, but you got to get to the candidate. Canada experience, number one.
1: Number one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, crew. I appreciate you.
0: See ya. All right, guys. Look, right we ran a little bit longer on this episode, I had a ton of fun. I just thank you, to everybody who's out there who uh who chimed in. We've got Amy, Juan, uh, Mega, Juan, David, Lamia Lamia as well, LinkedIn user, David, Sarah. I appreciate all of you guys. Uh, Someone asked what time these episodes are at. Typically, I have them on Wednesdays. I'm going to be changing the time to 2 p.m. Central because my kids are usually up around 1 p.m. Central, so I'm going to be changing the time. Uh, next week we have uh, a recruiter from uh, Zapia who's going to be on the show. So super excited for that! If you want to be a guest on the show, um, you know, feel free to re- DM, reach out. Uh, my hope is that the show is going to be focused on internal recruiting. Uh, so if you're an internal recruitment leader and, y- and you've got thoughts or you've got something on your mind that you want to chat about with me, I would love that. Just send send me a DM. Um, And appreciate you guys. I'm going to put Brian's uh, profile in the post. So if you're not following Brian, definitely follow him. Brian is a great guy. um, And I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying this, but just reach out to him, follow him, connect with him. And uh, again, appreciate all of you out there. I know this was a a long show. So everyone who's been here, appreciate it. And uh, you guys have a, a great rest of the day. We will talk next week.